Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers in the world. Series champion Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111 on this rainy Friday. It has been kind of peculiar of late. It's either freezing cold or raining. But we will endeavor to get through it. Um, for sure. We um, later on in this hour, we're going to talk to Tom Dean Hart, who covers the Purdue Ballermakers, to give us a little bit of better idea of see what kind of chance he thinks the Ballermakers have of pulling off a big upset. They're double digit underdogs to LSU, and, you know, their coach is not there. They're. Um, quarterback is not there. His top two targets are not there. They have a linebacker out and a defensive back out. And so they are um, pretty short-handed. You know, the Cages were really very unlucky. I mean, there's not too many teams where everyone plays in bowl games. That's not, you know, in the national semifinal bowl game. And even not all of them are playing. And and, and Houston, you know, their whole team played. Even guys that are going into the draft, they are they, they played. And you know, if one or two or three one or two of their top three or four players wouldn't have played, you know, you really like this, the Cajuns' chances of winning in that game. Uh, you know, the Cajuns were playing without their best offensive player in one of their top two defensive players, however you look at it. I mean, Andre Jones has been about as productive as any player has been on defense in the last two years. So, I mean, you could argue he's their best player or their second best defensive player, whatever. I mean, he's one of their best defensive players. So they were playing without their best offensive player and without one or two of their top three defensive players and um, and really still should have won. So when you look at all these other teams that, you know, like Purdue, I mean, they, they're missing a huge chunk of the team that played for the Big Ten in the Big Ten championship game. So the Cajuns were a little unlucky in that in that way. But um, so we'll, we'll talk to Tom and see what he thinks about what what's going on with Purdue as they face LSU on Monday about noon on our, our time. Bad loss for the Cajun men's basketball team last night. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Coastal Carolina is like this awful team. It's a road game. It's during the holidays and look, stuff happens. We get that. But but when you we've been talking about it since the schedule came out. When you, when you have a when you have a stretch where six of your first eight are on the road, 
to start to open conference play. And you're up 10 points with four and a half minutes to go in the game. You need to win. Uh, you know, I, most of what most of what we got from last night's game made sense. You know, Jordan Brown was 25 points, nine rebounds. You can win with that. Terrence Lewis was 19 points, 10 rebounds. A typical Terrence Lewis shooting over, well over 50% from the field. Typical Terrence Lewis game. You can win with that. FEMA's folks did not shoot well from the field. Probably shot it a little bit too much. And he's the one who took the big shot at the end, which you don't really want. He's not a shooter. But he did have, he still was productive. I mean, he still had nine points, six rebounds, nine assists, two steals. Greg Williams had 10 points and six rebounds, shot two or four from three-point land. And Kobe Julian played for the first time this year. Had seven points and three rebounds in 16 minutes. The problem that I, the question that I had early on, though, I think is what happened in this game, in the big picture. We were a little worried about rebounding. Cajuns out-rebounded them, 37-26. So almost all of these stats made sense and seemed to be stats. And if you told me yesterday, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen, I'd I would say, well, it sounds like the Cajuns won. But but he, here was my issue early on, and, and we've seen it hasn't happened in every game, but it happened enough times early on to give me concern, and that is you're going to get what you're going to get out of Brown and Lewis and maybe Williams, but is there going to be enough depth to the scoring? The other question, and I've asked Coach Marlin this twice in press conferences, and he hasn't really adequately responded yet I, I, I and I don't know enough about what they do or even the behind the scenes of how the basketball the individual plays work and all that that's why I asked him the question and I, I don't know that he totally understood what I was saying but we all you know Kobe Jr. his story is incredible all his injuries everyone has you know empathy for him and you, and you really hope he can stay healthy after everything he's been through but my question was not I'm not talking about ego cuz all signs point towards this team gets along well. It's not about ego, it's not about whether you like the guy or not. It's about the actual working and execution of roles and plays. So like last night and I, look, I'm 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 saying I'm putting I, I I'm not saying this is a statement. I'm just asking questions. My question was, and I asked it two different ways, and I didn't really get a, a, a clear answer. But my question was, when Kobe comes back, is there a fear that it's gonna mess up what you've got going? And again, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about ego. I'm not talking about team camaraderie. I'm talking about the actual execution of the plays, the actual roles that each person has and how it fit into being 10-2 and two coming into this game. And Kobe played, and he didn't, he didn't play a lot. He played 16 minutes. Jalen Dalcourt scored three points in 14 minutes. 
Joe Charles scored zero points and had one rebound in 12 minutes. That's the stuff. The th- the things I was worried about early on was you, you got two or three scoring, and then there was this huge drop-off. Not enough guys, I'm worried, are going to be scoring between five and ten points is, is, is what my concern is about this team. And if any one of the big guys have an off game, and none of them really had an off game. Greg has scored more than 10 points before, but they can win games when Greg Williams gets 10 points and makes two of four from three-point land with six rebounds. They can win games that way. But there, there was nothing after that. The the bench scoring, Coastal outscored the Cajuns 43-10 to 10 off the bench. I'm just worried about the depth of scoring and whether Kobe coming into the mix until they could figure out somehow was going to negatively impact, you know, Jalen and uh, and guys like Jalen Dalcourt and Joe Charles. So just something to keep an eye on. But look, it wasn't like the worst performance ever. Although, you know, another thing is that they, they were five of 22 and, and you don't want to get to where you're dependent on where you have to make three pointers to win games because I mean, just look at, well, last night, Cadence went 5 of 22. Look at the LSU-Arkansas game that we talked about from Wednesday night on on yesterday's show. Neither one of them shot three-pointers at all. They they couldn't even hardly make free throws, LSU and Arkansas. But LSU, even though they didn't make hardly any three-pointers, even though they didn't make hardly any free throws, and even though they only shot 40% for the, from the field for the game, they were still able to win the game. And the Cajuns shot free throws very well last night. But they didn't make a lot of three-pointers. They were only 5 of 22. That Even though they out-rebounded what was known as a pretty good rebounding team by 11 on the road, and they still lost. That, that is that's not good. That's pas bon. And they lost because... They had no field goals in like the last 250 or 240 or 250, something like that of the game. They only had, I think, three. In the last 250, I think they had three points. It was all on free throws. So they didn't hit any buckets down the stretch. And there just wasn't enough depth in scoring. The top guys did about what they normally do. But there wasn't any depth in scoring. And, and, and. I don't um I don't obviously that's not by design, but I'm wondering if it's gonna take a while for Kobe to kind of fit into where everybody the roles change. I mean, that's even if he just plays 16 minutes, which I'm sure he's gonna get to playing more than 16 minutes, you gotta that's that's 16 minutes that other people were getting and and the role the, just the, everything is is just different for that for the guys between five and eight and so um they're gonna have to figure that out but look it's not it's the first game it's not like it's the end of the world and being who they are a mid-major program in a in a in a you know a non-basketball league essentially it's a one big league for the most part we know that it's all about what they do in march on that weekend in March for the conf in Pensacola, we get that. But still, you you want to try to, you know, you want to at least try to be a top three seed. And last night was not a was a step backwards towards that goal. Very early, it's one game. If they win tomorrow, 
at ODU, um, you know, you're still okay. I mean, if you split to start. But uh, this is not one of the games you were thinking you were going to lose if you were going to make predictions at the beginning. So it is um, – it it was troublesome to hear that they lost because of who they played and they normally play well against them and they normally win that game. But also because for me, it kind of – kind of made brought out some of the fears I had from even when they were winning early on. I was like, man, I don't like the points at the f- fourth and fifth and sixth scores on this team, which is hardly none. And that's what happened last night. Not enough depth in scoring. So we will um we'll see if the Cages can bounce back against ODU. On the women's side, they won. We've been waiting for Lene Wheaton to be Lene Wheaton from last season, and she was last night. Hit four three-pointers, was the leading scorer. I mean, I don't, you know, Georgia State is about a 500 team, just like the Cajuns were, but they had a nice double-digit win. They played very well in the second half, and Lene sparked them, so that was good to see. They're going to need depth in scoring there as well. I'm worried about depth in scoring on the women's side as well. But the first thing, the most important thing that had to happen is Lene Wheat needed to hit some shots. In two of the last three games, she's done that. And so hopefully she can kind of get back to where she was at the end of the last year when she was playing at a really high level. They need that. They, they, they need her to score. So the women won by double figures. The men were up by double figures with 440 to go and lost. So kind of mixed bag there on the Sunbelt Conference opener uh, for men and women's basketball. We'll take a timeout. Come back. If you would like to get in the game hotline, this next segment's one of the um, times to do that. You know, won't be a whole lot of time after that. So if you would like to get in the game hotline, 706-0111-706-0111. This next, uh, after this timeout is the time to do it. We'll be back on the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Want to remind you, Trail presents Lundy Graw Barathon on Monday, February the 20th. Four miles trek through Freetown, just south of the parade route, where you can wear costume, enjoy free drinks. Throughout the course, there will be a party bus, which gives you options. You can run some of the race or walk some of the race. You can run all of the race or you can run none of the race and just ride on the party bus. All up to you. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest. So bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's Lundy Graw Barthon. Drinks, food, prizes. Register now. LATrail.org. All right. Uh, again, in the next segment, we will be talking to Tom Deanhart, who covers the Purdue Ballermakers, get a little bit of better sense of them heading into the Citrus Bowl against LSU on Monday. In the second hour, we're going to be talking some high school basketball. Today is the final day for, well, some of the tournaments ended yesterday. Um, but the the two that we've talked the most about are and have been around the 
or some of the ones that have been around the longest and have brackets, they're not like round-robin type tournaments, are uh, St. Thomas More Sunkiss Shootout and the Daryl Mitchell Senior Classic at St. Martinville. So we'll be talking to two coaches from those, well, one coach from each of those tournaments who are playing for the tournament championships. We'll do that in the 10 o'clock hour. Um, and those coaches are St. Thomas More's Danny Broussard and Chad Porcho of New Iberia, who will be playing against Brobridge, which will be interesting. We had a um, we had a, a a day of a lot of overtime games. There was at least two, if not three, in the Sunkiss Shootout, and then uh, Brobridge beat St. Martinville in overtime by two points. So. A lot, of, a lot of really good basketball games that probably push back the start time a little bit. Last night, I didn't, I didn't see any of the, I got to tell you, I didn't see any of the Cowboy-Titans game. We talked about all the different scenarios that could play out in that one yesterday, and the Cowboys won, and the Titans are really reeling. I mean, they are really, really, really reeling. But my question is, I wonder what the all-time record is for a quarterback – the all-time fewest games that a quarterback has played where he led the league in interceptions. Like, I think Dak Prescott's, like, tied for the league league in interceptions. He can't miss five games. He might play 12 games and lead the league in interceptions. Um, one of them yesterday was not his fault, but he's still, man, throwing a lot of interceptions for an offense that, now, to be fair, early on, well, early on he wasn't even playing, but early on they had a lot of receiver issues. They're starting to get, you know, they're a little better in that situation. But, man, they throw he throws a lot of interceptions, especially for the money he makes. And I know those can be separate issues, really, but in a lot of people's mind it's not a separate issue. That's why, like, the Cowboys – as the season goes on, they're show they're not looking as good as they looked, you know, five or six weeks ago. You know, their defense is showing more cracks. Their offense still shows the propensity to mess things up, or the or the potential to really mess things up against a really good defense. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I, um, if I was the Cowboys, I would want no part of the cheaters. I don't know that I would really want any part of the Eagles either. Uh, I still think they're good enough to beat the Arnolds or the Yucks. Um, the Arnolds are really playing good physical football right now. They're running the ball, but I don't know what kind of potential they have in the passing game. I mean, they ran the ball for over 300 yards last week. That doesn't happen very often in the NFL. Not a whole lot. I would think, you know, the Arnolds, I mean, the uh, the Cheaters have probably done that a few times over the years, but there's not that many teams that ever run the ball for 300 yards in an NFL football game. Um, And I still can't believe the Saints went to Cheaterville and they didn't rush for 100 yards. I still can't believe that. Cannot believe it. I saw it. But I I still don't believe that it happened, but it did. Um, how how the Saints are going to be able to do it against the Eagles? Again, the Saints have not done a good job of stopping the run this year. 
But even in the last few years, when they were among the best in the NFL at stopping the run, they couldn't stop the Eagles. Like the 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 Eagles just it's it's hot knife through butter when the Eagles have played the Saints in Philly in in the last however many years, decade or so. I mean, it's just hot knife through butter. It's what it is. It, it is it's unbelievable what they've done. So there's been. I mean, the Eagles are kind of, they don't own the Saints to the extent that the Browns have. Like, the Browns have owned the Saints going back to the 70s. Uh, The Eagles, the Saints have had wins. You know, they had their first ever playoff win against them. We talked about that in the forgotten season of 2013. The Saints, in, in the very first year of Drew Brees and Casper to quitter, they beat them in the regular season 27 24 and they played them in the playoffs beat them 27 24 the year that the saints should have made the super bowl in 18 they beat they crushed them in the regular season just demolished the eagles at home the eagles were a half a football team in that at that at midseason they they got in the playoffs and actually played the saints pretty well and should have probably should have beat the saints in that game but they didn't and um so the saints swept them in that so in new orleans the saints have have done a good job of beating the Eagles, but when they go to Philly, they just get pummeled. I mean, it, it just hadn't even been competitive. They, Other than the playoff, road playoff win in 2013, which most people don't remember because they, they, most people just think that whole season didn't exist. That's why I call it the forgotten season. But, um, of course, I haven't forgotten Mark Ingram fumbling at Seattle in the second round of the playoffs that year. I wonder what Mark Ingram's doing right now. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what he did. Now, think about how different things the conversation would be having to do with the Saints, but uh it Oh boy. One of these no, I was gonna say one of these years I'll get over it. No, uh, it, it'll never happen. You don't you just don't get over stuff like that. That that's just not I can get over a guy throwing a pick or, you know, a tip drill, or I guess even a fumble. I mean, fumbles happen. But what he did should never happen, ever. Like an interception happens. Giving up an, a 50-yard touchdown. Even Hail Marys happen. I mean, Hail Marys happen way more often than what Mark Ingram did. Like, I could, I could almost accept a Hail Mary happening. Well, not almost. I could. Like a Hail Mary is something I could accept before I could accept what Mark Ingram did. Like Hail Marys happen way more often than that happens. So, yeah, no, we'll we'll never, ever get over that. But I, I just, you know, I. Every once in a while, and Luke has said that he, he, he thinks you know, the Saints have a chance of winning. Um, they're going to have to find a way. If we're going to live in this la-la land that the Saints are going to go to Philly and win a game, if we're going to try to live in that world for a few minutes, hypothetically, that's the one's going to have to play. And Werner's going to have to play. One thing I do like is Werner and Ellis, 
give them a little bit of uh, – I think they can tackle in the open field a little bit. They can maybe give the Saints defense a little bit on the edges that they haven't been able to do to stop them. But they haven't stopped them up the middle either. I, I don't – I just – Marcus May's going to have to play. And, you know, they can't have – like – if they if they have to play Sorensen, now the good thing about Sorensen, like we talked about, and Luke said it yesterday, he's just one of these guys that he makes a habit of being in the right place at the right time. And he's made a lot of turnovers and, you know, pick sixes and pick up fumbles and run them back and long distances and all that. He's been very productive in terms of a turnover guy, but – down to down, he hasn't really all been that good. He's kind of a feast or famine kind of a guy. And you don't, I don't, and more, if if May plays and they can get to like a plus three, if that's day one plays and Alante Taylor keeps playing like he's been playing and a Debo plays solid and Minshew is the quarterback and they cannot let Minshew have a big game some kind of way. If they can get to plus three, then they might have a chance. I still don't know how they're going to stop the run. And I still don't know how they're going to block them. Like, how are they going to block them? They're going to have to throw screen passes. Like, we've been talking about the lack of screen. This team gets up the field so with such fierceness, they're going to have to throw short passes. They're going to have to be able to execute the screen game and they're going to have to throw short passes just to protect the quarterback. They haven't done that. I, I I don't see it. But, you know, I'm willing to dream, I guess. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, foot. Good morning, sir. Man, I've been watching ESPN, man. The QWs, man, they going crazy about that. Brock Curtis. They keep being – we need to get something straight. I'm with you. The 49ers, or the Cheetahs, like you would like to say, are not winning because of Brock Purdy. They're winning because they got a good defense, just like the Cowboys. Now, another thing I want to say, if this Cowboys team shows up in the playoffs, we could be one and done in Sean Payton. So I'm going to die. Plain and simple. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Y'all still clinging to the Sean Payton to the Cowboys thing. Hey, it's all right to dream. <laughs> now, I've got one question for you there, uh, Foot. Yes, sir. If the Saints sign Aaron Rodgers, that's your starting quarterback next year, would you convert to being a Cowboy then? No. Look, I, you know, Aaron Rod. first of all, Aaron Rodgers is not coming to New Orleans. That has no chance of happening. None. But – uh, but no, I wouldn't. I don't like him. I think he's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. But 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 I wouldn't stop being a Saints fan. No. Right now, one more thing, and then I'm gonna let you go. Uh, Dak Prescott, he's an all right quarterback. He's not. He, he's he's good. But I'd put him in the same category as Derek Carr. And I know I'm gonna get some hate because of that. Because but I mean the man buckles under pressure. You know, when the, when the game's on the line, I don't want that man as my quarterback. I'm just saying, because what he did in Jacksonville, threw, threw, threw a pick six that lost us the game. 
You know, yeah, he's still got a lot of proven to me. No, I, I understand. I, mean, I get it. But he needs to, he needs to do better if we're gonna have like, any shot in the playoffs, or we gonna be one and done once again. But have a happy New Year and talk to you later, buddy. Happy New Year. Uh, now, to be fair, the pick six in Jacksonville wasn't really his fault. The ball bounced up, just like one of the picks last night wasn't his fault. But, no, there's no question he's got to get better. All right, we'll take a timeout. we back. Talk LSU-Purdue football next on the game. LSU Tigers will be playing Purdue at noon, our time on Monday in the Citrus Bowl, and it's a very inter- interesting matchup because of everything that's happened since the Big Ten championship game and the SEC championship game. Players and coaches coming and going and national signing days and transfers and suspensions and all kind of things going on. So we wanted to find out a little bit more about how the Purdue side of all that. So we have with us uh, Tom Dinehart, who covers – the Boilermakers at on3.com. How are you, sir? Doing good, doing good. Ready for the ball game to get here. Well, you know, Purdue and and down here don't have much in common, but we have one thing in common, the name of our towns, you know, Lafayette, and uh, we both have an, an affinity for Drew Brees, I would think. Yeah, Drew Brees, of course, a Purdue icon. Very familiar to all your listeners from his days with the Saints, obviously, and as you guys, I'm sure, have seen, Drew has come back on an interim basis to be an assistant coach. was on campus last week for three days, and he'll be in Orlando with the team on the sideline helping coach the Boilermakers. So I'm sure um, for some LSU fans who are also Saints fans, uh, it's going to be hard to, I guess, root against uh, a guy they've all grown to love over the years. So – Do you have a sense of how that's going? Obviously, Drew knows a lot about football, but he wasn't really part of the team and the coaching staff and and the tendencies of play calling and all. I mean, uh, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how it comes out, but what is your sense of how that's going so far? I mean, he's not going to call plays or anything. He's he's just helping, you know, coach the quarterbacks and trying to be some moral support too, I think. And he reached out to the athletic director, uh, when there was a coaching change, just to see if there was anything he could do to help, you know, uh, in any way, shape, or form. And and this this role came about. Uh, he is a legit assistant coach, though, from NCAA rules. You know, he can recruit. He can be on the sideline, obviously, coach guys. So it's a, it's a true coaching job. It's not just a ceremonial position. But there is a ceremonial aspect to it, I think, as well, just trying to help the program get through this coaching change and what's been kind of a difficult time in some ways with all the key players who have opted out of this game for Purdue. Was that a shock to you or I guess nothing in, in, in terms of the opting out and transfer portal and everything should be a shock in college athletics anymore, but was it, was it a little surprising or not, not so much? I, I don't think so. I mean, we, we've seen this become a trend throughout college football in recent years. Um, I think the one shock, uh, for Purdue is the guys who have opted out and there's three key guys on offense and a couple key guys on defense but they're all very good players but none of these guys projects to be a first second or even a third round draft choice and it seems like in the past typically the guys who opted out of these games were guys who really were going to be top shelf draft choices well now we're seeing players who have 
any draft aspirations that seem flopped out of these games. So that, that's the thing that I think is a little disappointing for some fans. Is again, some of these guys opting out for Purdue, they're very good players, but they are by no way, shape, or form going to be premium draft choices in April, if draft choices at all. All right, so the you, obviously you know the program infinitely more than we do down here. So I know you lost, you know, obviously the quarterback and some of his top targets, but do you feel like the offense can still be reasonably functioning? And in other words, do you have backups that maybe could fill some gaps in and the offense still be fairly effective? You know, uh, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, I think the quarterback, Austin Burton, has a chance to be pretty above uh, – Above and beyond just being a functional option under center. He's a six-year senior. He's been on the team for three years. So I think he'll be able to operate pretty well. But they're, gonna, they're missing, obviously, a dynamic pass catcher in Charlie Jones. But, again, I think they've got some decent options at receiver and uh, tight end, too. I, I think the defense could be a little bit more problematic there. They lost their two best players on defense, a cornerback and a linebacker. And the back end of that defense was sort of iffy to begin with. So they're not quite as well equipped on that side of the ball to replace the, the two key players. Again, cornerback Corey Trice and linebacker Jalen Graham on defense, as they are, I think, to maybe replace the guys that are going to be missing on offense. You know, looking at y'all statistics, I saw that you had about a five-minute and four or five-minute advantage of time of possession. That's going to be even more important, I would think, if you can do, uh, control the clock or find a way to control the clock in this matchup. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you can shorten the game uh, when you're a prohibitive underdog like Purdue, a double-digit underdog, that's going to be a good thing. I know LSU's dealing with its share of, of opt-outs and guys who aren't going to be there as well. So they've got their issues to deal with, too. But you're right. Um, boy, for Purdue to have any chance to win this game, they have to check a lot of boxes. Um, and then one of them, like you said, I think is going to be able to control the ball control time of possession, shorten the game, if you will, and just keep uh, that, that dynamic LSU quarterback, keep the ball out of Jaden Daniels' hands as much as you can as much as you can if you're Purdue. Well, I was going to hold off on that, but since you, you brought Jaden up, the, the number one thing that he does is run the football. How, how much experience does Purdue's defense have with elite running quarterbacks, and, and, and it, how, how would you think in general would they match up with that kind of a threat? Nobody sees a quarterback like this guy. I think he's number two in the country as far as rushing for a quarterback goes. So certainly Purdue hasn't seen a quarterback that can run like this. And you can't simulate it in practice. So hang on, right? We'll have to see. Um, the strength of the Purdue defense is its line. So uh, I know LSU starts a couple freshman tackles. And uh, so maybe, maybe Purdue can have some success up front, at least trying to contain Daniels. You're not going to stop him, obviously. But you just got to contain them and, and limit big plays. It's no different than the other game. Um, there's not a lot of speed on that Purdue defense, which is, I think, pretty uh, problematic. So, again, you want to try to keep Daniels in the pocket and make him, make him be a thrower if you can and, and try to limit his ability to burn you with his feet. Again, we're speaking with Tom De- Dean Hart, who covers the Boilermakers. So t- tell us about the running game. How, how has it gone this year, and how much of a role has that played in – in the offense this season? Actually got uh, some bite to it, and that, that's usually not the case for Purdue. Um, usually really lean on the pass, and this team still leans on the pass, obviously, but they've got one of their better running backs in the last 10, 15 years. 
redshirt freshman Devin Mockaby. He's a walk-on, and he's 80 yards away from becoming his first 1,000-yard rusher since 2008, if you can believe it. So, uh, you know, there's nothing physically remarkable about Mockaby, but you just watch him run, and, and he's got an uncanny ability to, to find the holes, change directions, and, uh, and accelerate. And uh, he gets the ball, too. So he's uh, he's been a revelation this year, one of the better storylines on the team, and really helps bring balance to this Purdue offense and make it that much more effective. The coaching change, um, I mean, that's going to be, it could be a potentially a distraction to begin with. Do, do you sense that the play calling or the philosophy or any of that will change, or will it look the same just with different personnel? It's not going to change, obviously. Uh, you can't change things in a couple of weeks. They've got an interim head coach in Brian Brom, who's already on staff, Jeff Brom's younger brother. His quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator. So he knows how to call the offense. He's, he's called, had to call. He, had, he, had to be, he was an interim head coach, I should say, for a game back in 2020. Jeff Brom was out with COVID for one game. So nothing's going to change. I mean, it, it Purdue is what it is at this point. You have to accentuate what you can do. So uh, I wouldn't suspect to see anything out of the ordinary. From a, from a general attacking standpoint, I maybe Purdue will try to get creative here and have some fun and, and kind of empty out their, their their playbook, if you will, with some with some gadget plays possibly. So that could interject some fun to that game, I think. Now, the the actual leaders of the team were, during the course of the season, are those some of the guys that have left or are there leaders on this team that might be able to kind of, you know, get the team to rally around for one game and, and, and maybe try to overachieve a little bit as double-digit underdogs? I think the quarterback, Austin Burton, is going to have to be a leader. You know, he's a six-year senior. He's a well-respected guy, and and um, he's going to have to step up uh, for sure, I think, sort of lead the way on offense as, as an older player. And, you know, defensively, they got three defensive linemen who are fifth-year seniors who are going to have to provide leadership on that side of the ball, I think. They played a lot of football, Branson Dean, Lawrence Johnson, Jack Sullivan, those three guys up front have to provide leadership i think so it's going to be key you know if things go off the rails early you have some adversity you have to have players that can keep everybody on task and not panic and and keep everything together at, and then try to fight through that adversity if and when it does hit what about special teams how would you uh kind of rate how they've done in that area this season pretty solid you know the return game not a lot of juice there but they've got they got a really good kicker. He doesn't have a big leg, um, not a 50-yard guy, but he's pretty steady from from 40 and in. Uh, he kicked the game-winning field goal in last year's bowl win versus Tennessee in overtime, so he can make a clutch kick. And the punter's a, a kid from Australia who's older, about 24-year-old sophomore, and he's gotten better this year. He had some growing pains last year. But he's gotten steadily better this year, so he's been he's been solid too. So special teams aren't really a negative or a positive, but for the most part, they've just been pretty solid all year. Well, uh, it's, it seems like again, there's so many unknowns in bowl games, and and Purdue has as many unknowns as anyone going into this. So, I mean, do do, do you ha- do you have any like how do you even begin to handicap this game other than obviously you, you're, you're a pretty big underdog. Um, how do you, I mean, uh, yeah, you're, you're a big underdog. And, uh, I mean, again, I, I guess you have to think of it. You got nothing to lose, right? There's no pressure on Purdue. Purdue's not supposed to win the game. 
LSU is supposed to roll over you. So just go out, have some fun, and and uh, play loose and free, right? Uh, there, again, this is like you're playing with house money if you're pretty at this point. Expectations, like I said, are for them not to win the ball game. So um, that may be the best mindset you can have is uh, just have some fun. Don't put any pressure on yourself and see see what happens. All right. Well, we appreciate your time very much. Thank you, and enjoy your trip south, and uh, Happy New Year to you, sir. Will do. Happy New Year to you guys. All right. Thank you. Again, Tom Dean Hart, who covers the Purdue Boilermakers for on3.com. And so it's um, – no, it, it it is tough being a big underdog. But, again, for one game, we've seen teams overachieve, so we'll see what they do. But, no, I'm kind of with him. It's – if they really lack speed and aggressiveness on defense, which he says they're missing arguably their two best players in a defensive back and a linebacker, they're going to have a tough time on Daniels' runs. I mean, it's just tough to, it's tough to stop, and we'll see if they'll be able to do it. And, of course, LSU fans are hoping they don't do it. And it doesn't sound like Tom's all that optimistic they're going to be doing it either. But we wanted to get a little more information about the Marlamakers, so we appreciate Tom coming on. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you about the Hangout Music Fest where you could get VIP passes to see such groups as Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Lil Nas X. All of it is at Gulf Shores, Alabama, May the 19th through the 21st. What these VIP passes give you access to is exclusive viewing areas, stage-side pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. The Hangout Fest is a beach vacation like none other. Find out more information by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right. It did not sound like Tom, I don't know about you, but it didn't sound like Tom had much hope. (laughs) He might feel a little better than I feel about the Saints' chances of winning, but uh, maybe not. Like, he didn't sound real confident. Uh, obviously, um, bowl games are tough. Neither Both teams played in championship games, so it's been about, it'll be about a month since they played. Obviously, both teams have endured what has become the rocky – immediate offseason for college teams with players leaving and coming and transfer portal and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, neither it, the the two teams that will be put on the field on Monday are not the two teams that played for the respective conference championship. Not not the same teams. Um and so you just don't ever really know how the focus is going to be um for teams in that situation. But, you know, it it does, I mean, they're just listening to what Tom says and not knowing a whole lot about Purdue other than kind of looking at their statistics. It just seems like they're going to really struggle on from a just pure athleticism. And if you carry out assignments properly, I guess you can overcome some of that lot. It's just keeping Jaden from killing him with his legs. Now, who knows how it's going to, you know, uh, how it's going to hurt 
how the passing game or how efficient LSU's passing game is going to be. Some games it is. Some games it's not. Um, But the mainstay almost all season has been his ability to make plays with his legs, and that's the thing that it just doesn't sound like Purdue's going to be able to deal with very well And because really hardly no one has all season. I mean, a few teams have, but that's been a problem for most teams, so... I don't I don't know that they'll that LSU will win by like twenty or thirty points, maybe twenty, maybe somewhere between, you know, I'm thinking more like I don't know, thirty seven to twenty or something like that. But um you just never know in bowl games. So it'll be interesting to see. And again, um Monday's gonna be good. Uh, you know, you you're gonna got Tulane, just to watch the novelty of Tulane playing in a, in the Cotton Bowl, and and in LSU playing um, in the Citrus Bowl, so it, it'll be good. Of course, we got some games between now and then. The Florida State Oklahoma game was real good last night, kind of like we 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 talked about it being yesterday. All right, that's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, this is the time to do it. We're going to be talking high school basketball with Danny Broussard of St. Thomas More at about 10.15. And then about a half hour later, we'll be talking with, uh, or about 20 minutes later, actually, we'll be talking with Chad Porsche of um, New Iberia. And a really juicy matchup in the finals of the Darryl Mitchell Senior uh, Holiday Classic in St. Martinville at about 1035. So uh, if you would like to get in to talk about basketball, high school, college, NBA, uh, anything to do with LSU, LSU's bowl game, Citrus Bowl or the NFL weekend, whatever you would like, now is the time to to call in and again the game hotline is 706-0111 I um not obviously don't know a great deal about soccer but everyone knows about Pele and you know I I still have memories of in the late 70s right before youth soccer came here with Miss Deanna uh what was that about 79 or 80 if I remember correctly when that kind of started around here all the the youth soccer leagues that are just humongous in this area uh all around the area in the in the state really in the nation but um but here it wasn't and about 77 I remember was it ABC? I want to say it was ABC. They made a big push to for for soccer in in the country, and you know we were all told how it was going to take over and all. And, and I understand it's the world's biggest sport, but I don't I don't really foresee it taking over in this country. But I I watch I remember 
you know, they, they made a big push for the NASL, and I remember watching Pele play and hearing about this guy, Pele. And, um, you know, again, I, I didn't even know what the World Cup was, I don't think. When I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I don't think I knew what the World Cup was. But, um, but I remember watching some of those games, and they re- obviously Pele was this gi- ginormous star worldwide, and so they, um, they played him up quite a bit. I didn't like – I remember watching a couple of the games, and I guess – there were there were a few times on the side, you know, in our house, instead of playing football or baseball, which is normally what we play, and basketball, we played a little soccer. But, but, but again, the, the point of all this is to say that Pele is just, even for someone who's not a soccer fan, you know what Pele, when he was on commercials, I want to say when they had, the, you know, all them beer commercials, the, the the Miller Lite commercials that so many stars were on that Pele was even one of those. I mean, he was obviously just a star beyond. You didn't have to be a soccer fan to know who Pele was. And so, and I'm surprised he's only 82 years old. It seemed like he was old then. That was 50 years ago. Um, but, um, but no, that is um, – Obviously, a, a huge worldwide story. How 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 great he is, and uh, I can say I saw him play. And even now, you know, I can't break down his game or say what was so good about it. But I actually did see him play, and and he was older then. He had already he was already really famous, and he just came back to play for the New York Cosmos. But. Uh, no, that was um, certainly, you know, when when significant or even a little bit less than significant don't guys pass away who try to give some historical perspective, and I can't give a great deal. I, you know, I have very limited soccer knowledge, but um, certainly remember being a kid watching Pele play. Um, so, man, it just hit me during the break. This is like the last show this year like does it hit you yet it has and i've already thought about like bringing up to the guys when i leave today and be like all right see you next year yeah and i know they're all gonna be like i'm stupid but it's gonna be fine (laughs) i always always like like a couple days leading up to christmas because one of the things i say all the time people who know like what are you waiting for christmas so I, i like doing that uh you know on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve or the day but the week leading up to it. Of course, if you do it now, that's a long wait till we get to Christmas next year. But um, but no, that 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 that's funny. I'll see you next year. Oh, yeah. I like that. All all the guys are gonna immediately go and say that I'm dumb because I'm saying see you next year. But it's gonna be funny to me. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what they think. Uh, yeah, exactly. I still missed um, New Year's Eve watching the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl on the Mizlou. <laughs> television network Mislu? yeah that's that, a, that's, that, a, that's the network for years in the 80s and even into the 90s i want to say i don't remember when it stopped but certainly in the 70s and 80s on new year's eve they would always play the astro blue bonnet bowl on the Mislu television network that was fun does it mean sound like a real yeah. thing <laughs> no it, it, it really happened but yes Paley, normally this, some good games this, you know paley was a fantastic player he is a legacy 
and there's now debates on if his career was better or what is um, Messi's career better because he finally won his gold his World Cup, but he's won all these other awards already. So, but I will always love Pelé. Brothers already done the bicycle kick multiple times. I can't um, get it. I don't. Again, I have no. I don't. I don't know enough about the sport and the history of the sport to to even give an opinion on that. I. The one thing about soccer that I can appreciate, and tell me if I'm wrong, because you know more about soccer than me, but the game hasn't really changed that much. Like, there's not enough in the game to change. No. In other words, if you're a great soccer player 50 years ago, the skills and the equipment and everything, it's changed some, I'm sure, but it hasn't really changed that much. You got a goal and a ball. No, I think because... So, the way in which you tackle in football, that has changed. Dr- dramatic, you know, dramatically, completely, you, right. you know, like the immaculate reception, everything else, you know, everything from way back when, that has all changed. Soccer, the only thing you have on your body to at all protect you are shin guards. So, when people go and they say, well, soccer's not that great, you just run across the field back and forth and you shoot a goal. Yeah, you do that while you also have 10 other people surrounding you, trying to come after you, get the ball away from you, and all you have to protect you is... A little bitty, like, foot-and-a-half thing of plastic. Right. That's it. That's all you have is protection. Only people that ever have anything more are people that, like, I grew up with and, like, my brothers are friends with because they've had three and four concussions from playing soccer as a goalie. So he yeah, has to wear a protector on his head or he can't play. Like, by law, he cannot play. He has that protective headgear on him. I can only imagine the amount of concussions that – Soccer players have gotten over to you. Yeah. My brother has gotten two. His friend has only gotten three. And other one has gotten four. But uh, but no. So I, I, well, my point of all that is it's got to be a lot easier to compare great players from the past. Because, like, when yeah. people start talking about the tennis players of the day, I just I – just, I don't, yeah. don't want to hear like, it. Like, uh, the, the equipment is so different. When people mm-hmm. talk about the golfers of the day compared to golfers 40 or 50 years ago, the equipment has changed the game dramatically. So right. you almost can't even compare them. Yeah, that's why it's a lot easier to compare careers when it comes to soccer because, like, my brother, I know if he played, like, right now, he probably won't be as fast as he was because his whole body has changed. He's been out of the game for a couple of years now. But, like, you're not losing those skills of, okay, I know how to, you know, to bob and weave and know how to, you know, do certain, right. you know, absent yeah. certain skills and stuff. You don't lose that in soccer. You don't really lose it, I think, in any sport. But the only thing is the equipment is what really changes the game. And the only equipment you have for soccer is the net, the ball, and your shin guards. That's it. it, it your goalie It's a, it's a little more like baseball. And baseball's changed, too. So baseball, I think soccer's probably the most unchanged sport. Yeah. And so, the, in other words, the athletes have not grown out, have not outgrown the game, which I think makes baseball and soccer actually better sports. Now, don't get me wrong. I much prefer football and basketball to soccer. I'm not saying I don't. But the athletes in those sports have outgrown the game. That's how come the rules have to change so much. Right. And in and, and baseball – and especially soccer, the athletes have not outgrown the game. And so, you know, that's something to, that's something to be said for it. That's, Absolutely. Yeah, that's why I it appreciate that part of, of the game of soccer. Yeah. yeah, that's why it makes it to where I can never answer the question of who's the greatest quarterback. I can't do that because the game has changed. No one knows. The it's game totally has different. changed over the years. Yes. The equipment. The way you play the game, yeah. the you know amount of players, you can't all body of that slam has all the been quarterback changed. Quarterback anymore. I mean, all you can't even touch him. It's totally different. It's a silly argument. I, I you know, 
the only time that I ever get in those arguments anymore is to make corrections when people make outlandish statements <laughs> that don't make sense to me. Or tell them, you know, stats from, you yeah. know, 25 to 75 years ago. There isn't a best quarterback <laughs> ever. That that person doesn't exist. I've been telling people that for years, and they just they can't get that. They can't understand that. No. That doesn't exist. But you make all the sense. Soccer is the one main unchanged sport. Everything else changes over time between what you can and can't do in your equipment you're using. The greatness of baseball, I've always said, is that when Hannes Wagner played 100 years ago, over 100 years ago, when they hit a, when you hit a ground ball to short, a fast guy was out by half a step if you make the play. And 120 years later, if you hit a ground ball to short, that same fast guy is still out by half a step. Think about that. How could yeah. that be? That's the greatness of the game of baseball. You're very true. And that. other sports just don't have that. It's just not the same. The athletes have outgrown the sport. All right. So, um, no, that was good. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. But, but no, I, I did, I did. I wanted to at least mention Pele because I, I have seen him play. I have no frame of reference for anything, but I do appreciate that that part of the of the game of soccer. And so I'm sure not, worldwide today, it's like a huge day. Uh, uh, no, no question. All right, we'll do this. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll shift gears to high school basketball. Today is the final day of the St. Thomas More Sunkiss Shootout. The Daryl Mitchell Senior Holiday Classic in St. Martinville and several other tournaments around the Acadiana Air Couples finished up yesterday. We'll be interviewing St. Thomas More head boys basketball coach Danny Broussard, who's taken off, taken on. Some people say, or many people say, is the best team in the whole state of Louisiana. Any class in the Newman Greenies today or tonight at about 7.15 in the finals of the Sun Kids Shootout. We'll talk about that matchup and more with Coach Broussard next on the game. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Astros want to remind you to go to the game clubhouse where you could get a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. We also They also have $40 gift cards to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard and a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Any of these great prizes you can't win if you don't join the game clubhouse. So do so today by going to 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. All right, we have with us St. Thomas Moorhead boys basketball coach Danny Broussard. How are you, sir? Well, besides my voice, I'm doing great, Kevin. <laughs> Well, you've been winning. Why you lost your voice? What you screaming about? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, there's a uh, lot to scream about in between a good play. <laughs> Two good plays is a bad play, so there's a lot to scream about. Well, our, our friend Paul went to your game last night, and he texted me. He said, he's just like you. He's just like foot. He screams and hollers all the time. <laughs> 
Paul said that? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, Paul, Paul, Paul's got that pretty accurate. <laughs> well, first of all, congratulations. And I know y'all are playing. You told me um, a month or so ago how good this yeah. Newman team was. So tell us about yeah. the matchup. Yeah. Kevin, it's going to be a tough matchup for us. You know, I really thought that Newman and that Bishop Arden, who's from Virginia, I really thought that was going to be a heck of a game. And man, Newman, uh, the Bishop Bishop couldn't hit a shot last night. They were they were uh, was Newman kind of packed in a zone. They couldn't make a shot. The, the bad thing, Kevin, about Newman is you're not going to get uh, you're not going to get too many second shots. They're so big inside, Kevin. You know, he's got he's got Kevin. He's got four. Uh, you know, six five and two six five and two six seven. They they just they're like a college team, man. They're big and and not only you know it's not just some big bodies. They're they're basketball players, man. So um, we we got our hands full tonight. That team's gonna be hard. Like I just said, we we we're, we're not gonna be able to get too many second shots. So hopefully we can hit some hit some stuff outside. And then Kevin, the other thing about it is that not only do you not get second shots, but it's hard to get anything in the paint, man, because they you know they're they're shot blockers. They're they're big in there. Um, it's definitely a big challenge for us tonight, you know. Um, so I, I don't know, you know. Uh, we'll have to do our best, and like I said, if, if we'll have to hit some some three point shots. If we don't do that, then the same thing happened to Bishop Arts, and it's going to happen to us, you know. And and then Kevin, another thing about them is that, you know, we do press pretty good. Um, you know, it's been a staple for us. But man, the the, the problem with our half court trap is those guys are so big. They just they just see right over it, Kevin. You know, what I'm saying that you know right. the trap can only be so effective when you got. When you can, we can, we can put pressure on those guards, and they're so big that they're gonna they're gonna be able to look right over. So it's a it's a it's not it's I don't want to say it's a nightmare matchup, but it's not a good matchup for sure. So do they? So they primarily play zone. Well, Kevin, they play both. They play now again. He's zone Bishop Arjun. I, I think he thought they didn't have the, you know good outside shooters. Uh, so I, I think he'll probably play man against us because we do have a couple. You know, we can't shoot a little bit from the outside. So I, I think he'll come out man against us. I, I believe. I, I'm not really sure, but that would be my guess that he'll play us man tonight. Yeah. Now y'all saw him in a tournament in uh, New Orleans, did you? Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we so we went we went to their tournament. We did not play them. We well we lost to LB Land in the semifinals. And then, and so, so had we won that game, we would have played him in the finals, but we lost in the semis to LB Landry. Uh, so no, I, I mean, I saw him play, but we didn't, we didn't play against him. Uh, but, but yeah, but we saw them there and we, that's when I knew how good they were when I, you know, they just, um, I mean, they beat everybody in their bracket by double digits out every game they had, you know, and look, LB Landry beats us by about, that's uh, one of our worst losses, about almost 20, I think. And, and Newman beats Landry in the finals by 20. That, that's how good they are, Kev. So, um, what do you like that y'all have done in this tournament? Yeah, Kevin, I tell you, man, we really played well. Well, Kevin, you know what's what's ironic about this whole situation is that we we almost got beat the first night. I beat to be I mean, St. Thomas Aquinas came in there and had a great game plan. Oh, uh, you remember Raymond Andrews, Kevin? That Absolutely, played yes. So yeah, right. So that's what, what number is he? Oh, I don't know. I think he was thirteen, wasn't he? But I don't know. Uh, We'd have to check. I'm not positive on that. Well, anyway, Ramon, you know, he played at, at, at St. Thomas Aquinas. Right. He went on to UL, and now he's coaching at St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, you know, look, he, he beat Hannon this year, which is his old coach, Errol Goff. And when I saw that score, I was like, oh, wow, they beat Hannon. Ooh, that's, a, that's a scary first-round matchup. And I knew it wasn't. His, their record's not impressive at all. But, Kevin, he's had three football players that he's just getting back. One of them was injured. And he's just so I think he told me that it was only the second game he played with his, with his full lineup. And, I mean, Kevin, that, with, um, I don't know, about three minutes ago, we were down by one. 
So that would have been a disaster for 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 your tournament when you lose in the first first round. That would have been a disaster. But we pulled it out and we played really good against Karen Crow and, and Kevin. We beat an undefeated thirteen and zero Iowa team last night. That you remember Rob Malone song that was at Karen. Crow. I mean, that was absolutely Como. yes. Yeah, he's coaching. He, he does a really good job, man. And he's coaching now at Iowa. And, you know, thirteen and zero, and they're 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 not thirteen and zero for a reason. I mean, it, that's a solid team. Kevin, um, the Caesar kid. I forgot his first name. I thought it might have been Clarence Caesar's uh, son or relative, but uh, Rob told me no, there's no relation at all. But the Caesar kid had 35 against us last night, and we, you know, Kevin, we we, t- we kind of pride ourselves in shutting down players, you know. And we, we, Kevin, we couldn't stop. He was coming off the screens, and he was. I mean, Kevin, he shot. He made two threes that we fouled him on, and made four point plays twice. He did that, uh, you know, because we were trying to close out on him, and we we jumped into him. And he made both of them. Wanted to put 35. We hadn't given up 35 points in a long time to a player, but he kept him in the game last night. But uh, Kevin, the first half is probably our best half of the year. We moved the ball well. We made some outside shots. Uh, our press was working. We got some steals. And so uh, it was an impressive first half. But then, uh, Kevin, one of our problems this year, and I don't know why, we have to really work on it. We have worked on it a little bit, but obviously not enough. We're having a hard time closing down in quarters. Um, you know, we'll be up 13, and we take a bad shot or a shot before the end of the regulation of that quarter, and the other team invariably goes down and either, either shoots a shot off the backboard that goes in or they get, we give up a layup or something like that happens. And so I try to tell our guys, guys, it's, it's a four- to six-point swing whenever that happens. And uh, it's happened to them repeatedly and happened again last night. Kevin, thank God, if the kid hits a three-pointer last night, he was wide open, too. He missed it. It, we, instead of being up 13, we would have been up seven, but he missed it. So we had a 10-point lead at half, but I really, I really felt like that was a, you know, a, a, a bad stretch for us. So we, for, for not, against him, we can't do that. We've got to close out quarters better than we have been. You know, Coach Malonso is another guy, Coach, that I've seen scream a few times. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, both, we both had our share of uh, excitement last night for yeah. sure. No doubt, about, no doubt about that. Oh, man. Yeah, that's funny. Um, but, um, you know, yesterday there were some really good games in the tournament. I don't know how much you, I mean, you know, I'm sure you're so busy being the kind of tournament host, but there were some really good games in the tournament yesterday. Kevin, two overtime games. You know, that always happens in the tournament when you're trying to keep it on schedule. Right. And you get, and you get overtimes you like. And it's funny because I called the staff and said, oh, this is going overtime. And somebody looked at me and said, no, nah, it's not. I said, yeah. And, you know, invariably he makes one or two free throws instead of making both. And so they go take the last shot. And they don't make it. And they go. So that happened twice. But, yeah. No, we really, you know, Kevin, that's what I really like about some teams are going to this round robin stuff. And I, I'll, I'm never going to go to that. I, I like playing a tournament format because – what happens is as the tournament moves along, you, you get even matchups, you know, because you got all the winners on one side. you got teams that aren't doing too good that are playing on the other side. So it makes for some even games, you know. And right. uh, I like playing for a championship. I think that's what tournament, I think that was tournaments were designed for us for a championship. And I know a lot of people go into this round robin junk and they can match up who they want. I, I don't like that. I like to let's, let, you know, let's, let's, let's move along and have the two best teams in the finals and, and the third place game, you know. So anyway, but yeah, and you saw that yesterday some really, really good last-minute, you know, great games that went down to the wire. Now, I don't know how much time you've had to see what's going on in, like, the uh, St. Martinville tournament, but looking forward, what are we about, what, two weeks or a little through maybe two and a half weeks yeah, or something like yeah. that to district play? Yeah. yeah from what yeah. you've seen from some of these other teams are doing and all, um, how do you kind of see it now that we're getting close to district play playing out? I, I, I tell you, it's 
caught my attention. And we and Kevin, you know, we're going to be playing them in the Cajun Dome. You know, Brad put Brad brought us together those Cajun Dome games. And uh, usually, not except for an out of town team like last year we were playing Calicard Don Rouge. So he told me we're going to play this. Was kind of surprised me, but I think Brad's trying to get maybe bigger crowds and playing more local teams. I think is what he's doing. But anyway, when he told me this was kind of interesting matchup, and I was like, we hadn't played him in a while. But man. I don't know. I'm not definite, but Nish has either they undefeated or only one loss. Yeah, they're under. They they're undefeated. Six. Yes, I think they're thirteen and zero yeah, now. Yeah, and beat and beat Peabody by ten yesterday. So, man, I, I so that kind of makes a nice matchup for us. I'm kind of interested to see that. But uh, obviously, uh, Nish is really, really good. You know, um, who, who's Nish playing in the finals? That thing, Brobridge Bro, Bro won by two in overtime against St. Martinville last night. So it's wow. New Iberia wow, and Brobridge. That must have been a heck of a game. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, Bro Bridge is another team, like as you mentioned, that, that's catching my eye, too. They beat, I watched their schedule. They beat some really good teams. So, uh, that yeah, that's going to make a great game. They're not over there for them, too. We'll have two, two great games. Hopefully, that's a Newman and, and that match up there at St. Martinville. So, uh, but, yeah, those two teams have definitely caught my, my attention so far uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the area, you know. But, uh, man, Kevin, like anything else, it's like, we know, we got some really good basketball in the Kidiana area. And, uh, you know, on a given night, you, you, you can go watch a good game in our, in our area. You can see some good matchups. So, um, yeah, that, there's definitely some good teams out there. Did you get a chance to see Lafayette Christian play? Yes, they're in our tournament, so I saw them. Right. Uh, and Kevin, like anything else, they're only going to get better. They won a big game yesterday in overtime, and uh, th- those guys are excited. As, as uh, you know, they got a lot of football kids, so they, they're they're one of the teams that they're going to be a totally different team in, in in February than they are now. You know, they're, they're just going to get better, uh, and so they yeah they're they're. Um, uh, you know, when when you got the Williams kid, when you got Cam Williams, uh, you know he can he can go off for thirty on any night. You know, so that makes them a a, a real threat on, on any given night because he's he's really good and he's got he's got a, he's got some supporting cast around him. You know, they're good enough to to, to give some people problems. And so yeah, that's going to be a team that that'll only get better. All right, so getting back before we let you go to the matchup tonight, is Newman the kind of team where you're going to need to play a lot of people and really get scoring off the bench, or is it kind of the other way where you need to, um, if you get something going, you better stick with it in this matchup because they're so good? Yeah, no, Kevin, it, I, it, that's one thing we're really blessed with this year, Kevin, is that uh, it is our depth. You know, Kevin, we played the first five games of the year with two starters out, both both out to injuries. And and that's when I knew we were. I really liked that team because we went to, we went to that showdown on the lake and then lost the Masters probably the finals without two starters. And so we we really have great bench depth. And so and and that's just what we do. You know, we're going to press. We're going to we're going to and we're going to you know try to create some havoc. And I'm going to play nine to ten guys. It, 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 no matter who we play, you know, I'm, I'm talking about like we, we we're going to we're going to be in the playoffs and we're going to be playing nine to ten because we you know we I got a guy out the best that can kind of really shoot it. Now his defense is not great, but he can really shoot it. And then I got another kid that he's great on. The defensive end, so that's great to have some flexibility like that. To where we need a little bit of offense, I can put some offense off the bench, or defensive, I can I can put it a little stronger defensive unit, and that's kind of what, what we've been doing, you know, all year. Yeah, and so you know, last night we played ten guys, and it was a you know it was a tight game throughout, and uh, that's just how we play. So yeah, we're gonna now, now the bad thing about it is that you know I think sometimes we can tire teams out, but not not Newman because he 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 can match our depth. He's got he's the same way he's the same way he plays ten guys. And so uh, it won't be one of those nights where you can just try to tire them out. You know, it's uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a. Hopefully, we can just um, um, uh, you know just perform well and, and guys come to the bench and give us some good minutes like they did last night. 
All right, so when you went to the New Orleans tournament, New Orleans has more yeah. of a reputation where they let you play football a little bit more than they do yeah. here. Yeah. Did, yeah. Did, did you experience that? And, and I'm sure Newman, if it's officiated that way, that really favors Newman. Uh, yes, that's correct. In, in, in uh, New Orleans, officials just let you play. We tell our guys all the time that when we get to that tournament, we want the hardest traps possible, and don't be afraid if you bump them because they, they're not going to—they're not going to call mo- many fouls. And uh, and Lafayette Association is 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 much tighter, so it actually works. I think tonight works in our advantage of of the tightness call because those. But but then again, but then again, we go inside there, Kevin. Uh, you know, we're gonna have to try to draw some fouls on those guys because they're just shot blockers. You know, and uh, so I think that a little bit of advantage to us tonight, not much, but Kevin, it's kind of funny too that uh, if we have any other any advantage, because I know this because we travel a lot, you know, if and that's what I thought happened at Country Day in the finals in that four overtime game, we were kind of exhausted. But Kevin, when you spend three nights in a hotel, it ain't, it's not like sleeping in your home bed, and you can say what you want. Kids are kids; they got cell phones, that they got girlfriends. That, so you know, I got to think that hopefully it's gonna work to advantage those Newman guys. Uh, might be, uh, you know, three days in a hotel and eating out. And it kind of wears on you. So uh, if we have any advantage tonight, it's, it's probably that. <laughs> well, you take whatever you can get. So it should be fun, either, right. it, it should be fun either way you go, and I'm sure it'll, it, it's always good to play a good team as long as you're, you stay healthy, you learn a lot more about your team, and they, they show you some weaknesses. So that's all part of the process. That's right. Yep. That's exactly right. That's exactly part of the part of the maturation process. And and Kevin, that, before I go, the last thing I want to say is, you know, that's what I'm kind of really surprised a little bit about our team is that we didn't have much. And I, and I'm not saying we're that young. We're all juniors and seniors with one sophomore. But but so I'm not going to say we're young, but we're very inexperienced. Only Mason Gillery, had, you know, was a starter last year. So all these guys that you know, it's, it's new to them, you know. And I'm kind of surprised at how we're handling it. You know, we we're we're uh, we're, we're quicker along than I thought we would be at this point in time of the year. And, you know, we, you and I talk about this all the time, Kevin. For some reason, I, I can't explain it, but the Sun Kiss kind of is when we kind of start to, to put things together. This year, actually, it was a little bit earlier than the Sun Kiss. So it's a pleasant time to see. I just hope we didn't peak too early, Kevin. <laughs> well, and, and that happens, but I'm sure you can yeah. handle it. We yeah. appreciate your time as always, sir. Have fun tonight. All right, Kevin. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Take care. St. Thomas Moore coach Danny Broussard. No, I was teasing him about screaming, but uh, that's all part of the deal. But him and Coach Malonson, they both can do some screaming. That's funny. We'll take a timeout. Shift gears. Talk to New Iberia senior high head basketball coach Chad Porsche next on the game. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah. He may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion. Houston Astros. All right, we have with us New Iberia head boys basketball coach Chad Porsche. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How about you, Kevin? You're just doing all right. Your team is a contender to go to the Super Bowl. You undefeated on your basketball team, and you're playing in the finals of the Daryl Mitchell tournament. The man sounds um, kind of like too down for that. No, it's been a long few days. Just trying to. Just trying to make it through. Uh, I understand. 
I understand it. I thought about it this week, many, many, many years ago, when Sonny Chaponche used to be the head boys basketball coach at, at Turlings, and when he took the job as the football coach, he uh, and you and you have obviously a lot of experience with both. He he, he made the comment something like, "People don't realize, but it's a lot. It's a lot harder." Uh, to be the basketball coach because, like, during the holidays, you're having to work like you're like you're doing right now. And I thought about that um, with me this week, you know, covering all of these high school basketball tournaments. It can be tough. It's a grind, man, day in and day out. You know, you just play so much. And, then you know, you got to squeeze practices and shoot around and walk throughs in. It's, it's a grind. All right. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you probably didn't even think about it this way, but I'm sure you didn't expect to be undefeated at this point. Uh, how surprising is it, and what is going maybe even a little better than you anticipated coming out of the summer? Um, just, you know, we had a lot coming back. We, You know, we thought we'd had a chance to be good. Uh, you know, undefeated, uh, I don't know that we knew we'd be at this point, but um, we knew we had, you know, a bunch of pieces coming back off of last year's quarterfinal team, and we felt like we had a chance to be really good. And like I said, um, sometimes it's harder to live up to the expectation. You know, it's, it's easier to exceed them when they're not real high, but when they're high, it's harder to live up to them. So the fact that we're living up to them um, um, speaks to the to the, the demeanor and mindset of our kids. What are y'all doing better now than y'all were a year ago? Um, I just think I just think our, our guys are a year older, a year more experienced. And this group, this this senior and junior group, they've been playing together since, you know, fourth, fifth grade. So I think the team chemistry um, is better. And like I said, another year with me, you know, it, me and Russ, you know, I learned a bunch from him, and we're similar in ways, but we're different in ways too. So last year I'm sure there was a little bit of a transition period. So I think just, just a, a year um, older for those guys and a year um, just being around me and the other coaches a little more. Y'all got to the finals by beating Peabody by 10. And, 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 you know, Peabody is such an iconic name in the history of Louisiana high school boys basketball. Tell us about that win and, um, and what did that do for y'all? I'll tell you, it's one, of, it's, it's one of the wins I'm most proud of, you know, since I've been a basketball coach because uh, we played a really good Peabody team. Um, you know, they beat us in the finals uh, on our second state title run at Broke Ridge and, you know, that one left a kind of sour taste in my mouth ever since. And then last year, um, we went to Peabody um, with, with my next group my first year. And we went over there, and they, they, they bullied us. They beat us by 12, I think. And, um, you know, I, I had never beat them. You know, and Coach Smith does a great job. You know, he's one of the best high school coaches. Uh, I think he's in the Hall of Fame for that. So, yeah. Um, anytime you can beat a program like that, and, and, you know, we did it without one of our better players, you know, um, and, and without one of the better players in the state, in my opinion. So for us to do that down a man uh, speaks to the character and the, um, the mindset of, of, of this group. All right. So now you're going to be playing a school and a program you have a little familiarity with. So what what what, what is it going to be like tonight uh, just in that matchup for you personally? Again, you know, I had a great time there. And, you know, I think the perception is it's going to be like, you know, me versus them. And that's that's not what, you know, I don't play the game. I'm just coaching the game, you know. So it's it's just our kids, another opportunity to go win a game and win a tournament. You know, like I told them, 
We didn't know who because they played after us. We didn't know who we were going to have. But my concern was you get a big win like that against Peabody, and then, you know, teams do this on all levels. You know, they get a big win, and then somehow that next game, um, they just come out flat. And I just, you know, I hope our guys are locked in and come out and play like we're capable. And if we do that, I, you know, I'll be confident with the, with the turnout of the game. But, um, you know, the perception is going to be me versus them or them versus me. I, I'm not playing. I'm just coaching the game. You know, I just so happened to coach there. You know, I got to see a few of my guys that, that I coached over there last night. It was good to see them. and um, It'll be awkward, you know, a little bit, but, uh, you know, no hard feelings. Just playing a basketball game, trying to win a tournament. All right, so Brobridge's team this year, they've got some really nice wins. I, I think they've kind of surprised some people. What, what do you see from them that could give you all trouble? Well, they start they start four guys that played for you know played for me as uh, freshman and sophomore. They got a they got a six four guard uh, in Kylan Phillips who we knew was going to be a really good player. Um, when I was there as a freshman, he played a little bit on that 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 state championship team as a sophomore. We asked him to be the guy, and he just he Cosner wasn't ready. And then, um, like I said, last year he had a really good year, and this year he's having a great year. Um, you know he's a, he's a handful, and then the, the other three guards that played for us, uh, Javian, uh, Jason, Nigel, Pat, you know all all kids who um, who have gotten a lot better since since I left there. So um, be interesting. Like I said, uh, Coach Kevin Wilson's doing a good job. Um, Coach Kevin Martin's helping. He helped me when I was there. I saw Coach Box there last night. So a lot of familiarity with with those kids and those coaches over there. So like I said, it'd be fun to see those guys again and. Like I said, I hopefully we play well and, and um, continue rolling. You know, win or lose, obviously y'all are off to a, a, a great start. How do you have you have you had an idea, or have you seen enough teams in your district to where have an idea what the district is going to look like in a few weeks? Man, I, I I saw Como for the first time yesterday at the St. Martinville tournament. Um, I saw Acadian at the St. Martinville tournament as well. I haven't seen Karen Crow in person yet this year. Seen Southside a couple of times. Barb's got everybody back. I hadn't seen them, but they got everybody back. Uh, also haven't seen Sulphur or Sam Houston in person. But, uh, you know, just looking looking at at scores and stuff like that, I mean, Southside has a lot back. We have a lot back, and Barb has a lot back. And we were the top three last year, you know. So uh, with what we have back, those three schools, I, I would think it's going to, you know, I don't want to say it's a three-team race, but I'd say, you know, us three are probably the favorite. And then um, Karen Crow coming to the district, you know, Lafayette, Coach Brown, and them are, are off to a good start as well. You know, I'm sure they'll be fighting for it. Um, we go to Barb and to Southside. So, you know, we got we got those two on the road. Um, it, it's going to be interesting because, again, a lot of, I think, Sulphur's 14 and 4. A lot of the teams in district are winning. So um, it's going to be tough come district time. But, with our with our pre district schedule, I think we did a good job, and I think we'll be battle tested and, and and ready for those games, assuming we're healthy. All right, so you're undefeated, so obviously things are a lot of things are going very well, but there's always things you can get better at. If you are going to win the district and make another deep run and get to the quarterfinals or hopefully better, uh, what what needs where where what area what do y'all need to do a little better at in order to do all that? Uh, again, I think you know I think. I think we're good at a lot of things. I, we, we've got to do a better job of guarding without fouling. You know, we're not real deep, so, you know, we got to stay out of foul trouble. Um, but, you know, I, I really like this team. We can play fast. We can play slow. 
you know, so we can score both of those ways. We can guard, you know. Um, now, we don't have a whole lot of size, you know, with Wayne out right now. You lose a 6'5 guy. We don't have a whole lot of size. We're playing four guards a lot of the time. So, I think, you know, guarding without fouling and rebounding, if we can do those things offensively, you know, I think we got enough guys who can who can get buckets. We can play fast. We can play slow. It's, it's Defensively, can we guard without fouling and can we consistently rebound? If we do those things on any given night, I feel like, you know, I feel like we can play with anyone. I really do. So you still enjoy keeping teams under into like twenty nine and thirty and forty points. Then, then, <laughs> well, then you, you know, do score an eighty, you know, right? You still enjoy that more. School basketball guard and you know and 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 be tough. But this team, you know, this team's one of the better offensive teams I've ever coached. So we don't mind, you know, we don't mind picking up the pace and you know playing games in the sixties. But you know, it's all about matchups. If it's a team we feel we can outrun and outscore and get up and down, we're going to do that. You know. And then we played Peabody last night, who we knew was going to press the whole game, play 10 guys. We're only playing, you know, seven. We said we need this thing to be in the 40s, and we need to control the pace and play a, a slow, ugly basketball game. And that's what we did. So, you know, and that's that's the luxury of this group. You know, I feel, you know, when I was at Brobridge, we always we always grinded it out. We weren't, we weren't going to play fast. We weren't going to score 70, 80 points. That's just not what we did. This is the first group I had where I feel like I feel like we can win games in a variety of ways. We can, we can outscore you, you know, we can speed the game up and, and play fast, or we can we can play slow and ugly and grind it out, you know, um, just depending on the matchup. We're going to play however we need to play to win games. That's, that's just that's what it is, and, and the kids believe in that, and, and that goes a long way to coaches. We come up with a game plan, and, you know, we follow it, and, and we're going to do whatever we have to do to win. All right, real quick, I, I got um, before I let you go, is Trey Lance ever going to play for y'all, and do you trust Brock Purdy? Um, one, yes, I trust Brock Purdy because, again, you know, come playoff time, you got to run the football and play defense. So, you know, we're the best defense in the league. We got Christian McCaffrey, you know, and we're going to pound the rock. Hopefully we'll get Debo back. Um, so I trust Purdy. You know, now I think next year we're going to, you know, depending on how far Purdy takes us, I think um, – I think you you know you make it an open competition between him and Trey Lance. I know you invested money in him, but Purdy, we got him as the, the sixth pick. It don't hurt you know it don't hurt us to make him the starter and make Lance the backup. You know, it's good. We're in a good situation. But you're not going to bench Brady if he goes there. And we don't want Brady. Brady can <laughs> stay wherever he is. We, no, thank you. I don't want to hear no goat talk. We don't. We don't want. Uh, um, we don't want Brady. We're we're good. We're good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate your time, sir. Good luck tonight. No problem. Thanks. Kevin. All right. Take care. Chad Poor Show. You know, again, I, the man likes the cheaters. It's just like, it's sickening. But no, the, their quarterback situation is fascinating. No, no, no question. It, it is that. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, finish out this day show, this week's show, and this year of shows next on the game. <laughs> Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you to use your Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker to help you not just with things like lights and temperatures, but with listening to the radio. When you when you listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana, you ask that for your Alexa or Google Home. It's that easy. So do the smart thing. Have the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles with you home office wherever you go. 
Well, as we said, this is the last show. But when we speak again next week, Lord willing, it'll be another year, 2023. So they asked us to give our top five sports moment of 2022. There ain't been too many top five sports moments for the Saints this year. So obviously my number one had to do with the Astros. My number two had to do with the Astros. My number three had to do with the Astros. My number four had to do with the Astros. And my number five had to do with the Astros. <laughs> Does that surprise you? I mean, really? Hey, there's a, a lot of pretty good moments of this season. You know, Jeremy Pena started out, hit a home run in his first game, playing uh, at the little MVPs and – uh, you know, his parents were there. That was a great moment. And then, you know, he hit a home run. The, the closer for the uh, the Blue Jays hadn't blown it. He had the longest streak of, of, of successful saves in the season. And Jeremy Payne had a walk-off homer against him. That was just tremendous. He had another walk-off homer. Who was that off of in the regular season? He had another one. And then in the playoffs, he hit a walk-off homer. Well, it wasn't a walk-off, but it was a game-winning homer at Seattle. Um and then uh, El Pedro Grande hit a pretty big home run in Game Six of the World Series. That was a that was a that kind of gave me a good feeling there too. So, I uh, it seemed like all I mean uh, you know if I'd have gone all the way to ten, I think it would have all been Astro moments. Is that fair? That's fair. They won the World Series. It's fair. Um, no, that was um, tremendous, and and that sets up a hammock season. So. I can uh, relax a little bit. Although I tell you what, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a little tougher of a hammock season than the last time, because there's some. I really think Seattle's gonna be good. Texas is gonna be good. So the division is gonna be uh, a lot tougher. We'll see what happens with you know the Blue Jays take the next step and you know if the Yankees get better um, or not or at least match up better against the Astros this year. Um, you know, there's some good other teams in the division. Who knows what the Red Sox are going to do? They're the most schizophrenic team they're around, so you don't really know about them. Um, are the Gornians going to be able to take the next step? I don't know. I just know that the division is going to be a lot tougher, maybe, than it's ever been, because uh, I think the Astros are good. I think the Mariners are good. And, um and I think the Rangers are going to be real good, so we'll see what happens there. All right, appreciate um, Coach Chad and Danny coming on and uh, Tom coming on, telling us a little bit about the Citrus Bowl. <sighs> Y'all have a nice weekend, and let's hope for a miracle on Sunday. That's what it's going to take. Have a nice weekend.